Hello everybody, and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's special bonus episode. And this is an episode that's kind of just a little look back at the year 2019, in which uh, we reviewed 52 films, and we're just going to have a little bit of a chat here, uh, and by chat I mean monologue, I guess, because it's just me, uh, talking about some of the best and worst of the films that we reviewed in 2019. It's kind of interesting trying to do a retrospective on the year in film when most of the films uh, that we reviewed obviously didn't come out in the year 2019. There are a hodgepodge of films from different decades, but it was just kind of fun, I thought, to have a look back and see what we reviewed. So uh, we're going to begin with the top five films of our 2019 episodes. So, of course, we have the rankings at the end of the episodes, which we always say kind of don't matter. The only sort of matter here in accumulating an overall score uh, for, for our list. So, as reviewed by myself and whoever the two guests were, somebody who had seen the film and somebody who had not, here are the top five films for 2019. In at number 5, 1986's Little Shop of Horrors. This was a tremendously fun musical film. It was my first time watching it, I absolutely loved it to bits, and it was just an absolute joy to watch. Um, Really, really fun, absolutely holds up, wonderful performances. Uh, Little bits of it have have dated here and there. Um, I I think it is a film that could be potentially remade today and made very interestingly, or told very interestingly. Um, but Little Shop absolutely stands up. Um, and like all five of the films in our top five, the guest who had seen it, in this case Teague Mulvaney, gave it a 10 out of 10. Uh, this was uh, very high up on her list and very high up on my own as well. Uh, 9.5 for me uh, and an overall average of 9.33. In at number four, also with an average of 9.33 out of 10, The Shape of Water. Reviewed as the previous year's Oscar-winning film for Best Picture, uh, The Shape of Water was a really, really good film. Now, I know that given that it won Best Picture, that's probably not surprising, but uh, a captivating and unusual love story between woman and and Fishman, uh, but it was so much more than that. There were so many fantastic performances in that film uh, littered throughout. Obviously, Doug Jones absolutely stands out as uh, the the creature from the Black Lagoon looking uh, Fishman. Uh, Sally Hawkins, obviously, as Eliza, the lead, uh, really, really fantastic. Of course, a character who um, couldn't verbally speak, uh, was communicating through sign language, but a wonderful, just brilliant performance. Uh, Michael Shannon as uh, the the bad guy, uh, Strickland, uh, that was his name, Strickland, just, ooh, <laughs> he was really good. Uh, you know, it was a really great villainous performance. I would probably say um, maybe one of the best, if not the best, villain performance of the films that we reviewed this year. Um, absolutely fantastic stuff. And of course, Octavia Spencer and Richard Jenkins round out a really excellent leading cast. Uh, well worth a watch if you did not catch it in cinemas. Um, absolutely fantastic. Does some really surprising things. And um, Guillermo del Toro, absolutely uh, deserving of all the acclaim and awards um, for directing this this film. Uh, I know some people do prefer Pan's Labyrinth, and they say that's probably the one that should have 
should have gotten the big score for him. But uh, I I really like The Shape of Water, and I think um, I just think it's an absolutely marvelous film. So um, yeah, yeah, really good stuff in at number four. In at number three on our best of 2019, we have an average score of 9.5, a documentary also from 2018, They Shall Not Grow Old. This was uh, Peter Jackson's documentary looking at the uh, First World War experience on the British front. It took uh, archive footage from the time and updated it using uh, new colorization techniques, using technological advances to um, basically create as close to a modern camera cinematic image uh, that was occurring at the time. I've not said that very well, uh, but basically um, taking the old grainy 12 to 14 frames per second footage, using computer programming to add well what the missing frames would be so that it could run at 24 frames per second, colorizing it, sharpening the image, and just making a really visceral and compelling experience a very somber film, um, a really thought-provoking film, and I think a really important uh, contemporary exploration of the First World War, particularly, of course, now that it is more than 100 years past, uh, and we obviously don't have anyone around anymore from that time uh, who was involved in the conflict directly. Um, this documentary is told entirely through the voices of... Uh, people who were fighting in in the trenches, British soldiers from places like the Somme, um, and it's just a fascinating, fascinating historical document, and absolutely um, deserving of its place, so high on our list at number three. In at number two, with an average score of 9.83 out of 10, The Cabin in the Woods. I had not seen this film before, and I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, the Cabin in the Woods has often been spoken about as being um, a modern horror classic. I think it's a lot more than that. I think it's um, perhaps one of the most interesting films of the last decade or so. Um, taking that concept of the sort of American-style horror uh, slasher group of uh, teenagers slash young adults going out to the woods... Um, that kind of concept and just really playing around with what that actually means and bringing in mythos from other areas. Uh, a really, really fascinating film. Uh, and the review itself is also quite fun to listen to as well. Uh, whenever you get uh, Brett Cullen and Michael deGrasse in a room together, hijinks will ensue. Um, so a really fun review just in general, but also um, a fantastic film. Uh, really, really worth watching. And uh, coming in at number two in our rankings. But at number one, uh, the only film to get 10 out of 10 from all three reviewers uh, this year. Uh, a perfect score of 10 out of 10. It's another film from 2018. It is The Merger. That's right, it's an Australian comedy film called The Merger. Uh, it's about uh, a small country town down on its luck. Uh, they have a lot of um, refugees there from uh, places like Syria who get drafted in to play in the local AFL team that's uh, possibly about to collapse. And, of course, they all come together and find common ground through the sporting activity. Now, it, it might seem a funny one to be our number one film of the year, and certainly when you compare it to... We, we've seen some real classics this year. You know, we reviewed things like Pulp Fiction and Rabbit Proof Fence and um, 
Muriel's Wedding and the three Lord of the Rings films and The Godfather Part 2. You know, these were all films that were reviewed this year, but did not make our number one spot based purely on those scores. And I think it's because the merger created a feeling, an atmosphere, a, a welcomeness that, that was something that I think has been so rarely captured in films. Um, Damien Callanan, who plays Troy Carrington, the lead, is is a really fantastic, sort of very typically Australian lead character. It's quite understated, but at the same time you know exactly where he's at, what he means to be doing. Um, Kate Mulvaney uh, playing Angie is fantastic. Um, obviously uh, John Howard in as Bull Barlow, the sort of um, initially antagonistic uh, presence in the film. But over the course of the film and over the course of everyone coming together, Bull and other characters who were in opposition to to the merger itself, to this titular merger, um, are transformed, they are changed, they reflect on past behaviours. It, it's a fascinating look at things like grief. Um, it's, it's just such an interesting film, um, and I think it's one that probably obviously won't have been widely seen, given that it's an Australian film, um, but it's, it, it's just such a lovely lovely film um and it, it look it could be that there is some level of of bias it may just be that it was you know on the day all three of us were having a really good day there is also the fact that um you know kate mulvaney is uh, the sister of one of our regular reviewers tegan um you know that there is there is a connection there of seeing someone at least from my perspective that you you sort of know on the screen and, and all that kind of thing it's there is the potential for bias there but I, I honestly think this is a really special and fun and important Australian film. Um, and the, it, it's definitely worth a watch. And at the very least, you may come out of it feeling happier about the world. And I think it's, I think it's a film that is very important, particularly in Australia right now, for how, um, for how divisive... Uh, sections of, of society here um, currently feels. I, I feel as though if if unity and a, a sort of sense of social cohesion is important, uh, which which it is, I think the merger is a text which reflects that. Um, and also, it's quite funny, uh, which helps when it's a sports comedy. It, it is actually quite a funny film as well. So um, I gave it 10 out of 10. I thought it was I don't think you could make that film any better than it was made. I think it's a fabulous film um, and definitely deserving of being in our best films of the year. And it is in the number one spot. So by all means, go and watch The Merger. And of course, with our top five, there has to be a bottom five. Now, this isn't to say that these films are outright, definitely terrible, bad films. It's just that these are the films which got the lowest average score uh, when we did our big compile of scores uh, at the end of the year. So maybe these aren't films to be avoided. These are just films which maybe didn't quite uh, meet expectation. But here are, here are the bottom five. And at number five, uh, it is an Australian film. It's Brand New Day. Uh, it got an average score of 4 out of 10. I personally did not really enjoy this film. 
Um, and a lot of the reason for that, I think, is because um, with it being an adaptation from a stage show, I felt that it missed the mark largely in terms of what was translated across to film. Um, I, I felt as though, I, whilst I engaged with the central message of um, you know reconciliation and of um, kind of celebrating what it means to be Australian, what it means to be uh, an Indigenous Australian, um, and also playing around with that time in the 1960s that is obviously now a time that has is, is gone from us. Um, I, I just don't feel it was particularly that well executed. I wasn't particularly engaged with the film. Um, and the majority of the musical numbers I, I honestly found to be quite forgettable. The songs were perfectly fine. It's just that the, the way they were presented in the film didn't really um, resonate with me largely. So, yeah, Brand New Day down at number five. At number four, Waterworld. Um this is the worst film I watched this year for the podcast. Uh, it got my lowest score of 2.5 out of 10, an average score of 3.83, though. Um, Waterworld is a big mess, and that is an attraction for some people. A film being a big mess is, is an absolute attraction. Um, it is a fun mess, I will admit that, but I feel as though there's just so many problematic elements. The fact that Kevin Costner's lead character is just such a scumbag uh, makes it very hard to to root for him um I, I just feel as though i think the reason that that i i feel so ill uh favored towards it is because i think there's a really good nugget of an idea there that sort of mad max on the water style world i think could be done really well and i feel like this film gets close to it at times but then every time it looks like it's about to get close it gets pulled away by like a poor decision uh from the filmmakers or something that's a bit too zany or uh incredible misogyny or <laughs> things like that so it's yeah waterworld absolutely um still watchable and can still be quite fun and was one of the most fun films to review this year reviewing uh with uh, Brett Cullen and Anna Weir. It was a really, really fun experience getting to watch it with um, with two friends like that. Uh, but not a not a particularly great film for me. Uh, so number four in our list. At number three, Scrooged. That's right. We saved one of the worst till last. Apparently this year, as uh, Scrooge coming in with an average score of three point six six. Indeed, the bottom three films all coming in with that same average score. Uh, but Scrooged in at number three because. The way I weight them, uh, I weight the person who hasn't seen the film score as being the most important when it's a tiebreaker because they can give the most objective view. And Scrooge did better than our uh, films that came in second and first in the worst list in that respect. Look, Scrooge is a really good idea. And I think it's a film that actually suffers from the year no longer being 1988. I think that the further we've gotten away from the 1980s, Scrooge has suffered from the fact that the modernization aspect, um, which was central to the enjoyment of this film, has become quite retrograde. Um, and the fact is, is that we're in a world 30 plus years on now from, from when this film was released and made. And I think some of the sensibilities are different. I also think part of the problem is that it just really feels like Bill Murray is kind of phoning it in a bit on this one um when you compare it to amazing performances he's done in so many other films scrooge and his his scrooge character just kind of feels like a bit of a flat no it almost feels as though he's just kind of going through the motions and 
I, I just don't think it does particularly well, particularly when there are so many other adaptations of A Christmas Carol in film and other media which have done such a fantastic job. Scrooge just kind of feels like it's a bit flat. That said, though, still quite enjoyable. Um, still some great visual effects, still some uh, interesting ideas, but I just feel as though this film is a bit of a bit of a flat mess. Uh, number two, John Carter. Uh, perhaps unsurprising that John Carter and Wonder, uh, sorry, Waterworld uh, both ended up in this bottom five. We did do a poll uh, asking our audience for their favourite film flops. Um, Waterworld and John Carter were the joint winners, and John Carter is a real stinky film. Um, I gave it three out of ten, and again, it, it is a film which feels as though there's a good concept there that that original edgar rice burroughs um story origin could be really captivating but john carter just kind of feels like it's all over the place and it never it never quite sticks the landing or the takeoff or the flight it's just kind of a mess the whole way through largely forgettable as well sadly um yeah look john carter i i would not recommend watching particularly um even though it's got willem dafoe voicing a big buggy alien which is you know kind of fun and an interesting aspect but it, it's not enough to watch a film which is quite frankly a little bit of a mess and number one on our worst film list um with with that score of 3.66 on average out of 10 where the wild things are now i did not think that this film uh deserved to be uh our, our lowest ranked film i actually gave it a five out of ten on the watching um but i can't particularly argue with with the points that my um my guests on that episode mary jackson and sarah curtis made that where the wild things are for large stretches of it is a bit dull and also they didn't feel like it was a film for them and one of the issues we had in in watching and reviewing the film is trying to figure out who where the wild things are is actually for it's got some sensibilities which are very mature um, and certainly much more mature than you would have for a young child audience. Like a six-year-old watching this film, I could I could definitely imagine being bored out of their minds. But then when you get to, I suppose, that more adult um, age group, uh, young adults or even older adults watching it, um, it it's a, almost a melancholic revisitation of, of childhood. And that's really interesting but the fact that it was then presented as being a kid's film and also an adaptation of a beloved kid's novel and a lot of people who really enjoyed the novel felt that spike jones's adaptation did not reflect their thoughts and feelings from the novel so yeah i i again and this is a tricky thing is like i, I really don't think there have been that many films that have been objectively that bad um but where the world's thing where the wild things are certainly did uh i guess miss the mark for us so there you go a uh, top five and a bottom five for 2019 some to watch maybe some to avoid uh, a couple of others that sort of stand out for me i'd say um just just films that i'm looking back through the list now as um definitely worth a watch um downfall was was a really interesting film we we watched that um earlier in the year uh the the of course um retelling of the fall of nazi germany from the perspective of um hitler's secretary being in the bunker and seeing uh, the ultimate demise of of adolf hitler 
um, and, and the rest of the Nazi party. It's a harrowing film. It's a long film, um, but it is it is absolutely worth a watch. It's 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 a fa- fantastic cast, uh, and of course Bruno Gantz, who who passed away, and hence was the reason we were reviewing the film to mark his passing, um, is just absolutely captivating as as Hitler. Um, does a, does a really really great job, um, and absolutely one that I think is worth having a look at. Uh, District Nine was a film that we reviewed this year, and I personally think is always one that that stands out for me, um, and and definitely definitely worth having a look at um just just such an interesting uh film 10 years on the special effects largely hold up and the messaging behind it about uh division and uh segregation is is really really important and really definitely uh worth having a look at um we reviewed the lord of the rings trilogy i i think those those films are just always worth watching um the fellowship ended up being the highest scoring of the three an average score of 8.83 uh, just ahead of Two Towers at 8.5 out of 10, and Return the King at 8 out of 10. Uh, but the fact that all the trilogy are that highly ranked, I think, is a testament to the fact that that is absolutely a trilogy um, worth re-watching. Um, and one final film I, I want to throw in there, When Harry Met Sally. Um, a really fascinating film. I only gave two films a 10 out of 10 score myself over the course of the year. One was um, The Merger, and the other was... When Harry Met Sally, I'd never watched it before, and I think it is absolutely brilliant. I think it is just such a good film. It came in uh, number eight overall in our overall rankings, um, and it's it's just so well written. And I know <laughs> that's kind of like a, yeah, Durst even you know When Harry Met Sally is a classic, but but I'd never seen it. And again, that's kind of the point of the podcast is is you get the chance to watch and to discover these films and to or rediscover them in some cases um and when harry met sally is just an absolute gem uh and i would definitely say it's it's worth a watch so there you have it our 2019 in review 52 films um so so much fun uh, a big thank you once again to uh, all of my fabulous guests over the course of, of the year. Um, and of course, I'm looking forward to seeing them all again in 2020 as we do a whole bunch more films. Uh, obviously, a big thank you to all of you who are listening in. A uh, very special extra thanks to our Patreons uh, for their contributions towards the programme, which really help with uh, running the costs of uh, obviously keeping the podcast online. And we, we do purchase a lot of the media that we watch, uh, usually uh, as DVDs and the costs uh that you know are associated with that do build up so a very big thank you uh, to our patreons for that for all of you who listen in for all of you who vote on our film polls or share the podcast around or just listen anywhere in the world really it's it's absolutely um it, it's been a real joy and a pleasure to to be doing this podcast now for almost three years and i look forward to doing it for many many more years um we are of course kicking off 2020 as we kick off most years with a month of australian films uh so keep an eye out for that the first film coming off the ranks is chopper um so definitely keep an eye out for that particular review um it should be absolutely fan dabby dozy but that is all from me so until next time goodbye
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.